0: This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.
1: What a Tuesday. We have Carlin versus Joe. Welcome, friends. That's right. ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Christopher Carlin, Joseph Fortenbaugh. Good morning, my friend. How goes the battle
2: after a rough night on the wagering field? I got to tell you, it's one thing when you go down with your bets. You learn to live with that sort of thing. I understand how this game works. And what I try to tell people is, look, man, I'm aiming to lose 46% of my bets. <laughs> I'm aiming for that. Because people go, why would you want to lose 46%? Because it means I'm winning 54% and I'm turning a profit. Yeah. But last night, to lose the Packers, fine. To lose the Jordan Love overpassing yards, fine. To lose the Phillies, as a Philly fan, to have the 4 nothing lead at plus 135 and to Ugh. lose 5-4 like that, that's the gut punch right there. It's not the gambling. It's the loss of the... the the, the team I root for, the team I love. So I know Harper's been talking a lot today about getting doubled up and how he's taking responsibility. Bryce Harper, let me tell you something, pal. You got nothing to apologize for. You are that team. You go ahead and you do you. Stay aggressive on those base base paths. You get nuts. You want
1: to get nuts, you get nuts. Let's get nuts. He has absolutely earned that and we will get to plenty of baseball. We've got afternoon baseball later right here on ESPN Radio. The Astros and the Twins at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN radio that series is tied up at one and then later tonight we look to wrap it up Texas and the Ah, Orioles Ah, send home the best team in the American League let's see if we can get that done but we start today with somebody that's right across the parking lot from that game and that is in Dallas with Jerry Jones and the Cowboys here is Jerry this morning Once again on his radio show on 105.3, the fan in Dallas emphasizing his belief in his quarterback.
3: Dak Prescott is a
0: quarterback that can get us to the Super Bowl, and uh, uh, that's that's the way that's going to be. We have uh, other quarterbacks on that roster and uh, and, and, uh, uh, players that uh, certainly, if something should happen to Dak, But I want to be real clear. Uh, Dak's very capable of making this team be where we want it to go.
1: Listen, you can believe that. You can talk yourself into it. But Jerry Jones continues to miss the bigger problem. If you're Jerry Jones, if you're the Dallas Cowboys, you look around over the last 30 years, okay? It's been 30 years since Jimmy Johnson left. And if you want to count the super bowl with barry switzer over the pittsburgh steelers and say that that counts toward jerry's legacy be my guest we all know that's complete crap we all know that was a team that jimmy absolutely assembled over these past 30 years under jerry's tutelage the cowboys are 9 and 13 in the postseason and i look around at the other teams, specifically in the nfc joe that have had sustained success i look at the seattle seahawks and john schneider and pete carroll i look at the rams i look at sean mcveigh and les sneed i i look at the philadelphia eagles with howie roseman heck i even look at the giants from uh 10 12 years ago when they had stability with tom coughlin and with jerry reese the problem is not the quarterback the problem continues to be the common denominator in dallas and that is the person who is ultimately making the personnel decisions and assembling teams that are good, but just in the end, not nearly, not nearly good enough, Joe, and there is no looking in the mirror. Definite truth to that.
2: Definite truth to that because they – You've had some interesting draft picks over the years where it feels like a position of need may have been passed up for a a shinier, brighter object that the team might not necessarily need, but it's kind of a luxury good. So, yeah, some of the free agent signings, some of the transactions, some of the way business has been done. The Ezekiel Elliott contract, I think a lot of people would look back on and say, in a day and age where people weren't that aggressive with the running back position, you got overly aggressive with it. And as a result, you let that dictate your personnel decisions because everyone knew last year Zeke shouldn't have been touching the ball as much as he was. Tony Pollard shouldn't have been touching the ball as little as he was. Pollard was averaging over five yards per carry last year. So that stuff trickles down. But... They have assembled a roster with plenty of talent that's capable of not getting absolutely eviscerated at San Francisco, that's capable of not flaming out early in the playoffs every single year. I mean, Micah Parsons is an elite defensive player. Stephon Gilmore was a good offseason signing. The offensive line is above average by virtually every metric out there. CeeDee Lamb is a bona fide number one. Dak Prescott is a competent quarterback. Is he elite? No but he's competent enough to win you games. I think part of the problem on top of what you're suggesting is the coaching hires, year in and year out. I don't want to continue to bag on Mike McCarthy, but McCarthy's a guy that doesn't necessarily understand game management the way it should be understood in this day and age. He's not necessarily a guy that's going to have you ready to play every single week. I mean, we just saw that in San Francisco. Biggest game of the year. You can't come out and lay an egg. You don't have to win it, but you can't come out and just lay an egg and look completely overwhelmed. The Niners are good. They're not that good. They shouldn't completely overwhelm you based on what you have. And this goes back to your point on Jimmy Johnson. You look at Johnson as the personnel man who brought in such great talent. Yes, Johnson was also an elite head coach. And since then, Jarrah has steered away from that. You know, we're on Mike McCarthy right now. I don't know if anyone else was lining up to give him a second chance. Before that, it was Jason Garrett who got a decade. He was groomed under Wade Phillips, who had been around before. You know, you got guys like Chan, Chan Gailey, Dave Campo. Ugh. In a day and age when the league is trying to be more innovative, you're going with younger head coaches who can connect with the locker room a little bit better, who understand their players, who aren't necessarily going to get in your face, grab your face mask, and yell at you type of guys. They're more your, your peer than they are your superior. They've stayed away from that. They haven't caught up with that trend. You know, look at Kyle Shanahan. It was his first job in San Francisco. Sean McVay, his first head coaching job with the Rams. Mike McDaniel, Matt LaFleur in Green Bay, Nick Sirianni, Dan Campbell. He's a former player but that's his first job. You know, it, I think the the lack of a willingness to get aggressive in the coaching market with a young possible up and coming progressive type coach, I think that's hurt them equally.
1: And that's fair. That's completely fair. But where's where's the common denominator there in the decisions that Jerry has made? It's old Jerry. It, it, yeah. He it's it's Jerry and it's the fact that he has allowed these Decisions to get as much time as possible to prove that Jerry was right. Think about the sentence that you uttered in the middle, middle there. Jason Garrett got a decade. Yeah. How is that possible when you look over the years? Dak Prescott, year seven, year eight, you're not getting better. This is what you are. You're not maximizing that. You're not fixing that. These are the things that Jerry does to prove that Jerry is right. He doesn't want to win. He wants to win and get the credit. That's all there is to it. And so when we talk about Dak and you hear those comments reinforcing his belief that Dak Prescott can be someone who gets him home, all he's telling you is... I made the right decision, I'm sticking to my guns, and I'm going down with that chip, except I'm not really going down because I own the team and I'm going to do what the hell I want. I don't know if Jerry's way of winning is defined differently here. But in actual Super Bowl terms, in actual on-field terms,
2: that definition of winning is not working. True, true. But I would add this to that. I think Jerry operates by a different scorecard than we do. You're right, it's not delivering in the Super Bowl department, but I think his scorecard is different than ours. Media members, everyone who comments on the Dallas Cowboys, the fans, they measure the success of that team by wins, postseason wins, Super Bowls. Absolutely fair. Jerry's scorecard is about the fact that he has the biggest, baddest, most lucrative NFL franchise on the planet. No one's close. He's number one, and he sees that scorecard, and to him, he thinks, I'm doing everything right. Let me put it in perspective for you. Forbes had this article out at the end of summer, so we're only talking a couple months ago. The number two team in the NFL right now in terms of value, in terms of value, is the New England Patriots, $7 billion. They're number two. Dallas is $9 billion. $9 billion is their value. $2 billion more. You go to the bottom of this list, the Bengals have a value of $3.5 billion, according to Forbes. That's almost the gap between Dallas and the second-place team. You want to talk about revenue? The sec- the team that ranks second in terms of revenue, according to Forbes, is the Las Vegas Raiders, $729 million. Revenue for the Dallas Cowboys, $1.14 billion. Pretty much double that. Double that. Does- Jerry's scorecard is that he is the architect of the most valuable franchise in the business, the biggest brand in the business. So to him, what is it that he's doing wrong? Well, the problem here
1: is that what he's doing wrong is where all that revenue comes from. All that revenue comes from fans. All that revenue across the board comes from fans. The Dallas Cowboys are worth what they are because people love them and they love the franchise and they want to win. So if Jerry has that as his scorecard, that's an even bigger indictment because yes we all get it it's a business it's about making money but when is it about going out and spending that money on a young innovative mind as opposed to somebody that will just say thank you sir may i have another that that's that is the quarter that is the coach they have had for the last 20 years thank you sir may i have another outside of parcels that's it you may as well be taking the whack from the big paddle That's really what it has been. So if that's the case, at some point, can you ever acknowledge, A, I have to do something for these people to reward them for all of the money that they have poured into my franchise, and B, I have to prioritize winning and not just winning my way with our franchise. Because winning my way hasn't worked for 30 years freaking years 30 years think about that for the franchise that is nine billion dollars 30 years haven't gotten to an nfc championship game let alone a super bowl but we're saying the quarterback's just fine why are we saying that because i picked him And because I put him in that spot and I don't care how it goes and I don't care how many times he throws three interceptions against a team that is constructed so much better than my own because they let their football people actually do it.
2: I I think that while you make some great points, again, Jerry has the most valuable franchise in the business and he does it without having to win. He doesn't need to win in order to be the most valuable. What does that say? Think about it. The team right behind him is the greatest dynasty we've ever seen in the sport, the New England Patriots. The team behind that is Los Angeles, the Rams. They own their own stadium in the second biggest market in the country, a couple years removed from a Super Bowl. Team behind that is the New York Giants, the biggest market in the country, with two Super Bowls in the last, what, 15, 20 years. Jerry doesn't even need to get to the NFC championship game and he has all these franchises topped. He doesn't need to be in the biggest market and he has all these franchises topped. In his mind, he's doing everything right. It's the people below him that just aren't living up to their jobs. It is Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.
1: Be a part of Carlin versus Joe Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Hit us up at 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. ESPN ESPN Nation, presented by Dr. Pepper. It's not college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper the one fans deserve. By all means, hit the open lines now at 888-SAY-ESPN, and please... uh, Illuminate me as to why I might be wrong on this. That Jerry actually can get it done because when he believes in Dak Prescott, Dak's got it. Clearly, based off those three interceptions in a big spot the other night. 888 say ESPN 888 729 3776. But major injury news this morning in the NFC that cannot just impact. The future of one franchise, but also the future of the playoff race in the AFC. It is all on the table next on ESPN Radio. This
0: is the Carlin vs. Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.
4: Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And...
2: This was a
0: surprise. It was an annihilation. It was an abomination,
3: and it was a big surprise. It's a punch in the gut. It's a kick in the ass. Whatever, whatever phrase you want to put on it. Called a couple of weeks ago, humbling against Arizona, but this may be the most humbling game I've ever been a part of. You gotta learn how to take a punch. We got punched in the face tonight, and that's the reality of it. No champion hasn't been battered.
1: Not only that, George Kittle adding insult to injury when he lifts up his jersey and it says blank Dallas on his T-shirt. Oh, boy. Carla versus Joe, ESPN Radio, 6 XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. We opened up the lines. You responded. Let's do this. Pete, New York City, up first, ESPN Radio. Pedro, what do you got, cowboy?
3: Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. And uh, just a quick correction. Uh, it's Western New York. Go build. Oh my mistake uh-huh. all right what
1: are you up there in uh, canandaigua uh, tonawanda where are you uh,
3: i'm actually canandaigua and Thank there you for, go thanks for the shout out you go get yourself hey, some hey, wine hey. out
1: of those finger lakes in canandaigua
3: <laughs> and i'll go get a garbage plate up at nick tahoe's oh there, you there it is up, up in right out there. <laughs> so hey, hey guys again thanks for taking my call um You know, I I spent 20 years in the Army, so I I tend to look at organizations through that lens. And some of the best commanders that I ever worked for are always people who surround themselves with really smart people. Those commanders never act like they're the smartest person in the room. And they empower people to say no sometimes. And sometimes when you're the person in charge, the most powerful word that you can accept is no. And with Jerry Jones, you know, and with all the owners, they're ultimately responsible for everything that happens and fails to happen in in their organization. Okay. And I think we can all accept that. But when you run an organization and you're always the smartest guy, at least in your own mind, then you're going to have that 30 years of, of futility. And, you know, I'm not a Cowboys fan, but, you know, I do accept the fact that the NFL is a better place when the Cowboys are a good team and they're a good organization and and they're competitive. But, you know, it might be presumptuous of me, but until Jerry Jones learns how to accept no from the people that he surrounds himself with, they're going to continue to come up short. And Listen, I, I, nobody,
1: I, I don't, I don't know if
3: Will McClay will
1: do that. The guy that they point to as being somebody that picks the players, but let's be clear: there is no player picked on the Dallas Cowboys without Jerry Jones saying
2: yes to it. One, one thing I think a lot of people don't know and also probably don't understand because I I try to understand it but it's just so counterproductive is that a lot of these guys that that get these jobs these front office jobs and whatnot it's about survival that's it it's about survival yeah. for them what do they do to keep themselves in that position for a year or two longer look at the bears at the end of the last tenure with uh what was it? Ryan Pace and, and Matt Nagy, how they traded up to Jeff, Justin Fields. They, they made that aggressive move to try to sell the organization on the fact that, look, we only have one year left on our deals, but we've got a young quarterback. Give us time to develop them. That deal might not have been the, in the best interest of the organization, but it was certainly in their best interest. You have a lot of guys that eh, we only won five games our first year on the job. That's not very good. Well, well, now hold on. Bar set pretty low. We win seven games next year. That's an improvement. Like, there's there's competing interests here that make it very difficult to win if you're not organizationally aligned. Some of the best organizations right now, Bob Kraft, the owner in New England, you think he's all over Belichick about the decision-making? No. Hire good people, let them do their jobs. The late Paul Allen in Seattle hired John Schneider and Pete Carroll, Hire good people, let them do their jobs. You never heard from Paul Allen. Clark Hunt in Kansas City, you don't hear him talking a whole lot, except for when they're holding up the AFC Championship Trophy every year on their way to the Super Bowl. Um, Jeffrey Lurie in Philadelphia, he lets Howie handle the business. Uh, Bob Kraft, we already talked about. Stan Kroenke in L.A., you ever hear from him? They call him Silent Stan. He never talks. He lets his guys do the job. So, yeah, to that call, there's a lot of sense there. You own the team, hire good, smart football people, and then give them the resources they need to do their job. It doesn't happen nearly enough in the
1: league. No. It doesn't. It doesn't. I dated a girl from Canandaigua once. That didn't go well. Yeah? Yeah.
2: That's a story right there. By the way, I uh, I just noticed the long-sleeve colored shirt today. We're we're really getting fancy today. I like to class it up on occasion. Okay. On occasion. Not very often. John. Is it laundry day?
1: <laughs> no. Okay. It is let me look nice for Joe Tuesday. How about John in New Mexico next on Jerry Jones? John, what do you got, dude? Uh,
3: a couple of things. Um, your your boy Joe needs to work on his math because $1.1 billion is not twice uh, $700 million. It's more
4: time and a half. But
3: anyway, about Jerry Jones, um, I'm an Eagles fan, so I'm absolutely thrilled with the dysfunction that Jerry Jones brings to the Cowboys. Um, yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's a poor leader. He's always right. He's always got to be in the spotlight. And when it's that way, he's never going to succeed like the Eagles. Thanks for taking my call. You got it. Listen, I, I don't.
2: Could have done without the math comment.
1: Yeah. I'm just going to throw that out Didn't there. could need have that. done without it. And let's also be clear about one thing. There have been times where Howie Roseman's been in some hot water. He actually got taken out of power when Chip Kelly went there. But Howie Roseman, how do I say this, has always been outstanding at managing up. People in middle management positions understand exactly what I'm talking about. (laughs) Managing up toward, you know, the owner. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. We'll continue to get to your calls throughout the course on Jerry Jones, on the Cowboys, where they stand. All of that on the way. We also, in just moments, are going to tell you about why Dak may not be able to win a Super Bowl in Dallas. We're going to talk to a Super Bowl champion about that in just moments.
0: This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an
2: important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there.
5: Shotgun with Dowdle on Prescott's
3: left, and there's a slant, intercepted. Well, I know what Cowboys Twitter's going to be full of. It's a punch in the gut, it's a kick in the ass, whatever, whatever phrase you want to put on it. This may be the most humbling game I've ever been a part of.
1: It had to be a tough pill to swallow, especially flying home after that game. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Series 6M, Channel 80. Jeff, Saturday, ESPN NFL analyst scheduled to join us here in just a moment as we will get into uh, the Cowboys and the biggest issue that is facing them at the moment. And he joins us right now. uh, Jeff, Chris Carlin, Joe Fortenbaugh, as always, appreciate your time and insight. So let's just start there. What's the Cowboys' biggest issue at the moment?
0: Just lack of physicality on on both sides of the ball. I mean, everybody wants to blame Dak Prescott. The bottom line is the 49ers beat him up pretty good, and and I think McCarthy said it best, right? I mean, it was, this was a humbling loss, and and uh, and it should be. It's not that you can't recover. It's not like anybody had to go home. Uh, they got to get better. But I think what they saw was. A team on the other side who was more physical on both sides of the ball, and um, if, if they're going to play the style that McCarthy wants to play, where they, they got away from Kellen Moore, they want to um, be more, you know, be more of a traditional type NFL offense, run the ball. Be, then you got to be that right. You, it, and and so uh, players like um, C. D. Lamb and and Cooks and and um, Gallup, you know, big plays got to come from them, but they have to establish the line of scrimmage and. Can't turn it, can't crumble it, you know. And, and again, once it got out of hand, I, I understand. Um, and even the first interception, you're right? You can't, you can't turn it over. Like Dak's got to protect the ball. But it wouldn't have mattered who was playing QB. That they, they, they uh, you, you know, the superior team won. And they, and 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 listen, a better team, in all honesty, probably across the board, but also that played an excellent football game. I mean, they, they played a really good game. Uh, linebackers Greenlaw and Warner played fantastic. Um, up front, they did a really good job on the, Obviously, the interceptions in the back. They it, it was a it was a whipping and and uh, a really good game by them. And then once once it gets out of hand, it snowballs and looks a lot uglier than uh, it should. But but it uh, it's it's the best team in the NFC honestly right now, uh, playing probably you know one of the top five. Uh, so that that you know you hope it wouldn't turn into be what it was.
1: You know, Jeff, so many times when we see a game like that, back to your physicality point, um, teams say, you know, we'll get another chance at him later. And sometimes those teams are able to come back and beat them. But the physicality was what really struck me, too. And it makes me wonder, how do you fix that if you're Dallas in that particular matchup, if you get another chance at it?
0: Yeah, it's really a mindset in all honesty, that you go in the game understanding, hey, we're gonna you know, we're gonna run the ball in between the tackles, here's what our thought process is gonna be. Um, you know, we're going to tr- try to, you know, kind of single out or go after here's where we think the weak link of the defensive line is. And here where we can capture guys. We got to get downhill on Warner and Greenlaw. We can't try to run around them or away from them. Uh, can't let them, you know, have the type of impact they had in the passing game. So that, you know, setting up play action where you can get those guys to have to step up. There's just different ways that you go approach the game. And I think, um, you know, when when as you're watching the game, though, I think you saw pretty early on, um, man, this 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 49ers team, and I, and I had said this leading up to the game too, Chris. Like, they, man, they have on on in all three phases, but in offense and defense, they have been as explosive, coupled with physical as I've seen in the game in a long time. And um, it's going to take a team like Philadelphia that, that that is, you know, really good up front on O-line and D-line to kind of match that intensity. And then you can kind of limit explosive plays. But, man, if they're more physical and they're getting explosive plays, it, it, it turns into, to, to, you know, you're getting boat race, and that's ultimately what happens.
2: Jeff Saturday, ESPN NFL analyst, joining Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio. Let's transition to New England. How patient do you think Patriots owner Robert Kraft will be with Bill Belichick if things continue to head down the path they're currently heading?
0: No, he won't be patient. I mean, I don't think he'll fire him, but I think he'll come in and make him make changes to how the organization is being run. So whether that – he's going to hire somebody to take over the front office responsibilities – and and leave uh Bill to, to, you know, more of a coaching aspect and he can point to, you know, since twenty thirteen you've had, you know, no you've had all pros, two of them the ones have been a punt returner and one's been a punter. I mean so we gotta get better from a from a roster perspective so we're gonna hire somebody who specifically is is locked in on that, and then in, coupled with your coaching, we can get this thing back on uh, the tracks of where we need to go. Because I can tell you from experience with Kraft, and I have I have you know a, a lot of experience with the dude. He's he going to try to win. Like that. Like make no mistake, this guy. He understands his legacy and where he as an organization. He wants to be the gold standard. Um, and when his team has struggled the way they have, and he's seen the regression of this quarterback position, based on you know uh, this is now his third offensive coordinator in three years. Uh, in the la- and last year, it was an, a defensive coordinator, and a special teams coach or a coordinator, that, that's, that's not easy to deal with. So there are some areas that the Patriots can improve without losing Belichick, in my opinion. It's just a matter of if they come to an agreement with that.
1: Yeah, and, and that's really the, the bigger thing, Jeff, is would Belichick allow himself to be in that situation where somebody else is calling the personnel shots?
0: Yeah, I mean, listen, Chris, like when you look at this, if you're him and you're being honest with your assessment, right? I mean, this guy has, has let go of more players that people were like, how would you let this guy go? And he's like, well, I just think it's time A- at some point you've got to look at your roster and go, man, our roster doesn't match up. I mean, our, our we don't have any players on offense that scare you from an explosive per- perspective. Um, you know, our, our, our part of our best playmakers are our tight end like, like that don't win in the NFL, right? That doesn't track. So, Um, From a defensive perspective, they haven't been able to keep up. But, but again, that may be because the offense has played so poorly. But you have to admit what it is. In in the NFL, when someone thinks you've lost your fastball in a certain area, they they don't fix it or move on. He has had to do that, and I think that's what – if he decided he wouldn't, that's the position you're putting Robert Kraft in, is if you won't make an adjustment and Kraft's like, well, it ain't going to change itself, it's not going to fix itself, uh, then I think it gets to be a much bigger deal.
2: Vikings wide receiver Justin Jefferson set to miss a month or so with an injury sustained last Sunday. How do you think the Vikings approach the next few weeks to the rest of their season? I mean, Kirk Cousins is going to be a free agent. Do you think they start actively trying to shop him?
0: Yeah, you know, that's interesting. I think so. I think, I think when you, know, you, you you're, your best player on offense is going to take four weeks or however long it ends up, and I can't imagine him hurrying back especially if you go one and three or oh and four in the in this span i mean you're talking about being one and seven you know somewhere right in there i think or one and six right with whatever that is it ain't pretty and and you know player players rushing back to come try to save the season uh was without a country. I don't, I don't i just don't foresee that so i'm sure teams will start calling and asking and and I, i'm sure it will perk their ears up uh how that plays in the locker room no one really knows but it's um, it's not a place you'd want to be. Like, I don't think anybody foresaw them starting this poorly and now losing Jefferson uh, to me. That, 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 it, I'm not sure that you overcome that.
1: Jeff, great stuff, man. Appreciate the insight. That was awesome. Thanks again. Thanks, fellas. you have a great one. You too. Jeff, Saturday, ESPN NFL analyst gave me some real insight there on the whole Kraft-Belichick thing, and that really is fascinating. We're going to get into that throughout the course of the show. But up next, what we were just talking about there with Jeff and Justin Jefferson headed to IR. What does it not just mean for Kirk Cousins, but frankly, for the landscape of the AFC? Because it does, depending on what happens here. It's Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio.
0: This is the Carlin vs. Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.
3: is Joe on ESPN Radio. We want them to be fat and sassy and spoiled. From now on,
1: please think of me as fat, sassy, and spoiled. That's what I want it's to be. It's going to be hard not to. Exactly.
4: Impossible not
1: to. I just found the epitaph for my life.
3: Fat and sassy and spoiled.
1: <laughs> just, just honestly, just put on my tombstone, Chris Carlin... 19, blah, 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 blah till, you know, quote, fat, sassy, and spoiled. That's, That's it. That's good enough, huh? That's it. That'll do it. That sums it up. That's the essence of me. The ABCs, baby. That's what it is. <laughs> Carla versus Joe espN radio series XM channel eighty presented by progressive insurance save when you bundle mo- mo- blah, blah, blah. save when you bundle motorcycle rV and boat insurance visit Progressive.com. you got there you got there yeah circuitous but we got there joseph um in case you missed it and I know you didn't Justin Jefferson going on IR for the Minnesota Vikings. And this is crushing. The next four games he will definitively miss will be three road games at Chicago, Green Bay, Atlanta, and then San Francisco at home squeezed in the middle of that. The Vikings are 1-4. and Are we ready to accept what the eventuality is here about what this is? A bad team with a quarterback... On a contract that ends after this season and their best player, who, by the way, hasn't gotten his contract yet. And I have to wonder how that plays into his rehab process and just how fast he is going to push it to get back on the field with all of that being the case, Joe. The discussions have to heat up here
2: about trading away our good friend. Kirk Cousins you would think you would think this was a team that last year won 13 games they were not a 13 win team they had a minus point differential they were not as good as their record indicated the playoff loss to the Giants highlighted that and now this year they're already one in four in one score games they've played five one score games already all five games have been decided by one score and they're 1 and 4. That is called regression to the mean. The uh-huh. defense isn't as n- nearly as improved as people thought it would be under Brian Flores. Offensively, they're not scoring enough points. They have opportunities and they squander them. So you got a lot of questions you got to ask. Is Kirk Cousins going to be around next year? Is that the guy? I'm not blaming him for what's happened this season, but you got to ask that question. You got to ask hard questions about Kevin O'Connell the head coach. Is he the guy? You know, you win 13 games and you come out and look this bad the next year. You got to wonder a little bit about what's been going on in terms of coaching these guys up. And then to your point, Justin Jefferson is the franchise. You're going to pay him. It makes it so much easier to pay him if you got a rookie quarterback and you're not paying that position top dollar as well. So, yeah, like we've been saying for weeks, you should be looking to move Kirk Cousins, get some assets in return. But you got to go about it in a very smart way. Because, number one, the second this becomes announced, you're going to probably lose out on ticket sales, merchandising, and interest. That's important, you know, from a bottom-line perspective. A lot of fans don't care about that. They just look at wins and losses. But once you officially go into the tank, people check out on you. Yeah, and but, number But two, in, that
1: market, in that market, are they going to check out on you? I'm not going to say that they're going to be jam-packed each and every week, but the Vikings are the show in town in Minnesota. Twins are in the playoffs,
2: are they not? They are. Like, I know that's not going to last a whole lot longer, even if they go all the way to the series. But the thing is, people have something to be excited about. And it's hard when you have a team that's really good, and then you try to transition to the next sport. Like, as a Philly fan, watching the Eagles and watching the Phillies and then having to deal with the Sixers nonsense, I can tell you I don't look at them the same way. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I don't give them nearly the benefit of the doubt on anything because I look at two competent organizations who are fun to watch. And then I look at an incompetent organization that constantly finds ways to blow it. They find ways to squander their talent. So right, but maybe- my,
1: my, my point there, though, is the number one team in town is the Vikings, like the number one team in Philadelphia is the Eagles. Right. First and foremost, that's right. my only point there.
2: All right, so fair point. So they don't check out. So they come out, they announce they're going to move on. They don't check out on the team. The fans continue to show up, and then what's next? What's going to be next here? you got to make sure, more than anything, when you think about going into the tank, and this is the, the part that a lot of fans who are just, it's easy to say, look, bomb out, try to get the number one pick. You don't want to create a culture of losing, Right like that's one of the things you have to be very delicate about you don't want to establish losing as the norm because once people start to understand losing once people start to accept losing. It, it It's not easy. It's not easy to get rid of that stench. You've got to be very, very smart about how you go about your business. Houston last year found itself conflicted. They wanted that number one overall pick, but then at the same time, Lovey was out there trying to win games late in the season. He had the guys competing. So while the organization may have wanted to tank, the team didn't necessarily want that. It's a very strategic process where you're losing games, but you're not getting everyone to buy in on this losing culture.
1: Okay. So let's look at a couple of the logistics here. Kirk Cousins has a no-trade clause. If you're Kirk Cousins, do you want to go somewhere else for the rest of the season with an opportunity to win, whether it's the Jets, the Falcons, I mean, I guess you could throw the Patriots in there, even though I don't think that's salvaging the situation. But you look at the Jets, they lost Elijah Vera Tucker yesterday for the season to a torn Achilles. But... Just look at that situation for a minute in the AFC. You have got 12 of the 16 teams, Joe, that have either two or three wins. The Bills are only a game in front of the Jets right now, and the Jets have the tiebreaker on them. I don't think they're winning the division, but if you add Kirk Cousins to the mix, the Jets have an excellent chance to make the playoffs. We said that Zach Wilson had 5 weeks up until this coming week to prove that he could do it. He's been okay, but if we're looking at this That's team, generous. That's okay generous. Okay is is generous. Do we think the Jets are winning anything we don't with Zach Wilson? No, we don't. Not. We don't. Do we think the Jets can make the playoffs with Kirk Cousins? I think that's possible. I definitely think that's possible. And and the single biggest reason why, if making the playoffs this year is important to to get Kirk Cousins to go and do it, is that one thing we have seen is the Jet defense is not as good as it's been made out to be. They are middle of the pack across the board, and they are getting run over, run over in rushing yardage this season.
2: So then do you want to give up the assets to bring in a guy who, I mean, what's considered successful in that situation? Let's say you go out, you find a way to give up a pick that everyone's okay with to bring in Kirk Cousins. He steps in, he gets you in as a wild card, you lose in the opening round. Cousins is probably on his way in the offseason, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're going to go back to Rodgers, so is that worth it to you? Is it worth it to you to threaten to just get into the playoffs? On one hand, you've seen several key defenders get injured for the Buffalo Bills over the last few years. You see the AFC North beating up on each other, turning out to not be as, as fearsome as we all once thought. The South is interesting because the Colts are a little bit better than expected, but the Jags are not as good as expected. And then out West, it looks like it's one team in... Kansas City, although the Chargers could make a run here based on the way the schedule is set up. So that's, that's what the Jets have to weigh right now. If Cousins is a guy that they think can get them to the AFC championship game, yeah, you probably get involved. But if it's just good enough to get in and then get knocked out, do you really want to give up the pick for that? I, I do. And it's okay. not just to get knocked out. It's
1: I have to look realistically at what's ahead. They're going to be two and four after this week going into the bye. They're not going to beat Philadelphia. Agreed? Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Agreed, yes. Thank you. So with that being the case, at 2-4, and they're still very much in the mix, if you add Kirk Cousins, with the Jets' schedule softening significantly from here on. The two toughest games, they have Miami twice later in the year, but other than that, they can do some real damage if they have a representative quarterback that can put up 24 to 28 points a game. And he's capable of doing that when you have Garrett Wilson there, when you have Brees Hall there. I mean, we've seen what they can do with Hall without much of a passing game, let alone adding to that. That's why, to me, it's something that you absolutely have to do if you're the Jets, if for no other reason, to show that growth and making the playoffs is important.
0: This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.